Jeremiah chapter 1. Our theme this week is God's call. Uh, this is what we're going to be studying collectively together with our families and our individual devotion time. And does everyone have a Fusion devotional magazine and everyone have that? Uh, if you don't, we have them. Where's Donetta? We do have some out on the table, uh, out in the foyer out front out there or on this back table. There's some on this back table. We've, we've tried to move a table in here so that, you know, I don't know the best way to get stuff to you guys. And so we're trying to make it as easy as we can. So as you come in and come out, look on this table. It has a lot of information that you may need there. Uh, but if you do not have a Fusion devotional uh, study guide magazine that has your de daily devotions in it every day, uh, please stop by that table and uh, we'll certainly uh, pick up one of those so that you can study along with us this week as we talk about God's call and we look and see what God's call is. Now, let me just ask you this. Don't raise your hand. But I wonder how many of us in here would think God's call. Jeremiah, the prophet, God's call. Oh, that's to be a preacher. That's not me. I wonder if that's you. Don't raise your hand, but would, would you say, boy, that's, that's not me. I don't, I don't have God's call on my life. God's not calling me to do anything because I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm not going to be an evangelist. I'm, I'm not going to be as Jeremiah was a prophet. So that's not me. So God's call this week is all about those people that want to go into Christian service. Well, a lot of times that's how we think about God's call. A matter of fact, a lot of times people come up to me and they'll ask me, say, share with me how God called you into ministry. And I understand what they're saying. And I, actually, I shared this a little bit with Paul. He had to write a paper um, about me for his class at school. And I don't know how that's going to be. But anyway, so he had to do a little interview with me this week. And he was asking about my call. But really, my call really started way back. And it's just been a progressive call just to move closer and closer and do more and more and ultimately here. But I think a lot of times we get confused whenever we hear the theme, whenever we see the subject matter God's call that, oh, that's just talking about the preachers, or that's just talking about the missionaries, or that's just talking about the spiritual leaders in the church, the deacons, the elders, whatever uh, the case may be. But it's so much more than that. Let me just say this. God is calling every single one of you, every single person under the sound of my voice has a call of God on your life. Now, there's different areas of service, there's different areas of ministries, and no, that doesn't mean that you're going to stand behind a podium one day and address a congregation. But there is something specifically that God is calling you to do as a child of God, and that's what we're going to be studying this week, and that's what we're going to be focusing on. Now, the fusion facts for the week, as we go through and study these, I think are very good, and I'd like to introduce those to you. As you go through the week, you'll already have an idea of what we're going to be studying. But first of all, there are no excuses for failing to follow. God's plan for us. There's simply no excuses. Listen, God has a plan for you. He has a call for you. You're not here by mistake. You're not here by accident. And there's simply flat out no excuses for not following God's plan for our life. The second thing we're going to be studying and unpacking this week is that God is working in us to give us, get this, the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You see, that's why it's so important whenever you're thinking about God's call on your life and the direction that he's going to be leading you, that's why it's really important to think about, okay, God, what desire are you putting in my heart? Now, for me, I can answer that early on when I got into God's word. There was a desire for me to get in this book and teach it. 
Matter of fact, when I surrendered to be a pastor, that's all I thought I'd ever have to do. I didn't realize I had to do counseling. I didn't realize I had to deal with problems. I didn't realize I'd have to do administrative work. I didn't realize I'd have to uh, be, um, be the face with the place that goes out and tries to make connections so we can get a building built. I didn't realize I was going to have to sit at City Hall and go through planning meetings. I didn't realize all of that. I just had a desire to teach this book. Now, what is your desire? What is it that, that really just ignites your fire? What is it that just really excites you thinking about in life a lot of times that can be from God and you need to pay attention to that because he can use that and give you that desire to carry out his plan and his will for you in your life and you'll be studying some about that this week. Third or Wednesday is our day of prayer. Thirdly, we're going to be talking about how God gives us courage and confidence as we embrace the plan that he has for us. We're going to be studying also how God teaches us what he wants us to do through his word. And guys, that's why it's so important that you're in the Word of God every single day. Because He's going to be leading you, guiding you, instructing you, convicting you, drawing you through the Word of God. So we're going to be in that. And then we're also going to see how God strongly supports us as we pursue His purposes. And uh, you don't have to do it by yourself. And you don't have to, you know, a lot of times there's a sense of just feeling inadequate and not able to do the job. But God is going to work through you. He just needs a vessel that he can work through. And uh, hoping, hoping prayerfully that's what we're all going to be. Okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll jump into this subject uh, matter. Uh, the message that I've titled for today is God is calling. Are you listening? God is calling. Are you listening? Are you responding? God is calling. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this privilege to be able to open up your word and we thank you for the opportunity to study together. We thank you for the Bible that we have, that we're able to glean and see what your heartbeat is and what our plans are and, and how you lead us and guide us, but most importantly, how we can receive salvation and to be able to inherit heaven one day, and we thank you, God, for that. Thank you for the cross and thank you for Jesus and but I pray, dear Lord, now that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that this message will be a message of encouragement that would help each one of us evaluate our lives where we are right now and to help us to have a spirit of discernment that can identify your hand upon our life, thus being able to answer and take heed to your call and live out the plan that you have for us. I pray, God, you'd speak to hearts today. I pray, dear Lord, that you would help each one of us do an evaluation in our life to see if we are where we need to be, to see, dear God, if we're in the center of your will, living out your plans for us. Bless the reading of your word and our time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jeremiah chapter 1, are you there? And I'm reading out the Holman Christian Standard uh, translation of the Bible, but Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 1. Uh, open up your Bibles. I want to read the first 10 verses as we look a little bit into God's call on Jeremiah. Verse number 1 says, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests. I want you to stop right there. Understand that Jeremiah was the son of a priest. Matter of fact, you go back and look at Jeremiah's life, you'll see that not only was his father a priest, but his grandfather was a priest. And so it goes without reason that Jeremiah, matter of fact, he's at, a, at the age of about 20 years old right now. 
in chapter 1 when this, come, when this takes place. And he's really at the place where he's stepping into the role of a, of a priest. His grandfather was a priest, his father was a priest, and most likely he was going to continue in that and be a priest. Verse number 2, Then the word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, which, by the way, was a godly king. We'll get into that in just a moment. Son of Ammon, which, by the way, was an ungodly king, a wicked king, which was the son of Manasseh, which was an ungodly king. That sets the stage for a little bit for the age and the time that Jeremiah was being called. It also came throughout the days of Jehoiakim, which was a... By, by the way, Jehoiakim was a ruthless, godless man that tried everything in his power to persecute and tear down Jeremiah in his ministry. Matter of fact, a lot of the lamentations that you read about Jeremiah, not only was he weeping and wailing over the nation of Israel, but also over his own state and the persecution that was being brought upon him for answering God's call and being this man. But Jehoiakim, horrible, horrible man. Son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the fifth month of the eleventh year. We skip down verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me. Listen to this word now from the Lord. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. Just let that sink in. God had a plan for Jeremiah before he was ever born. He had a plan for him. And guys, the same is true for you. I don't care how you were conceived. There are no accidents with God. God has a plan for you. Hello? Say amen or oh me. God has a plan for you. He knew you before you were born. He knew Jeremiah before he was born. Not only did he know him before he was born, but he had a plan for him, and he had called him before he was even birthed into this world. He says this, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, we're going to unpack just a moment why was Jeremiah hesitating over this. But I want you to see that God called him to be a what? A prophet, not a priest. Tremendous different difference in ministries there. And I'll unpack that briefly here in just a moment. But God has called him now to be a prophet to the nations. <laughs> Verse 6, Jeremiah did what? probably all of us have done, including myself from time to time, but I protested, this translation says. But I said, whoa, 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 God, are you sure you've dialed the right number? I mean, he's ever been there. You felt like God's knocking on your heart to do something, maybe step up in a particular ministry or do a particular something that he's laying on your heart. Oh, God, I want to accept you as my Savior. I'm not sure I'm ready for that step yet. But God knows what he's doing. He's carrying out his plan for you in your life if we'll just be obedient. Jeremiah said, I protested. I said, oh, no, Lord God. Look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. Then the Lord said, you see, Jeremiah was already proclaiming his inadequacy. I'm not adequate, God. I can't speak. Look what the Lord said. Do not say I am only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to. And speak whatever I tell you. Notice that God is sending and God has given him the words to say. God's going to be with him. Verse 8, do not be afraid of anyone. For I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. And then 
the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth and he told me, look, I have filled your mouth with my words. See, today I have set you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy, to demolish, to build, and to plant. There's the call of God on Jeremiah's life. This young man, about 20 years old, that was following in his father's footstep, his grandfather's footstep, the next in line to be a priest. And God says, I've got different plans for you. I want you to be a prophet. Guys, do you realize all through the Bible, and I did a study this past week, and I stopped at about 50. Numerous times through the scripture, you can see where God called men and women into different areas of ministry, different callings, different plans they had on their life. Let me give you a few here. He called Noah to build a ship. Now, I'm not going to give you the reference verses. If you would like to have the reference to this whole study that I'm going to give you in about two short minutes right here, just send me an email and I'll email it to you. And it makes a great devotional study and you can run all these scripture references. But, it, but he says that, that Noah, called, or Noah was called to build a ship. Abraham was called to leave the strange land that he was raised in to follow God and become a nation that he was going to build. Isaac was called to stay in Palestine and carry out his father's faith. Jacob was called to be true to his grandfather's faith. Joseph was called to exercise spiritual authority over his brothers. Moses was called to free Israel from Egyptian bondage. Aaron was called to proclaim or become Israel's very first high priest. Eleazar was called to assume responsibility over the tabernacle and then become Israel's high priest. Joshua was called to lead Israel into Canaan. Uh, Deborah and Barak were called to defeat the Canaanites. Gideon was called to defeat the Midianites. Jephthah was called to, to defeat the Ammonites. Samson was called to defeat the Philistines. Samuel was called to replace Eli. Saul was called to be the king's very first king. David was called to be Israel's finest king. Solomon was called to serve God as his father did. Jeroboam was called to be king over the ten tribes of Israel. Elijah was called to preach judgment against sin. Elisha was called to be the successor of Elijah. Jehu was called to rule over the ten tribes of Israel. Ezra was called to teach the word of God to the returning Jews. Nehemiah was called to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Matter of fact, as I go through and hit these, you're familiar with a lot of these stories, are you not? We go a little further. We see that Esther was called to save her people from extermination from the Persians. Isaiah was called to become God's greatest prophet. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet. Ezekiel called, was called to be Israel's watchman on the wall. Daniel was called to interpret dreams. Hosea was called to marry a, har a harlot. Amos was called to preach against the sins of the ten tribes. Jonah was called to warn Nineveh about the coming judgment. And you know the story about Jonah and the well, or to be politically correct, the big fish. Hello. Uh, John the Baptist was called to prepare the way for Christ. Peter and Andrew were called to follow. James and John were called to follow Christ. Philip was called to follow Christ. Nathaniel was called to follow Christ. Matthew was called to follow Christ. All through the Bible, you see, were these men and women, God was calling them. The rich young ruler was called to sell his goods and follow Christ. Stephen was called to function as a deacon and an evangelist. Philip was called to function as a deacon and an evangelist. Saul was called to be the church's very first missionary evangelist pastor. Barnabas was called to help Paul. John Mark was called to help Paul. Silas was called to help Paul. Timothy was called to help Paul and later called to become a pastor of a church. Apollos was called to be an evangelist and a pastor. Jude was called to write the book of Jude. I guess the point I'm trying to make is this. All through the Bible, God has been calling men and women to particular 
areas of ministry. And I just gave you the tip of an os- the iceberg right there of all the different calls on the people in the Bible. So the point is this, God is calling. The question is, are you listening? God is calling. You're not here today by mistake. Let that sink in. You just didn't wander in here today at Moy Elementary School in O'Fallon and think, I just think I'll go sit through a worship service today. No, God has you here for a reason. You may tell you why? Because it's today that he's hoping you'll hear his call. It's today that he's hoping that you'll get right smack dab in the center of his will. It's today that he's hoping that you'll be obedient to the call that he has on your life. God is calling. Are you listening? If you are listening, let me ask you a question. What is he calling you to do? I gave you about 50 examples. I could give you hundreds, but I narrowed it down for your sake. About 50 of different examples where God called people to do different things in their life. God is calling you. Question number one, are you listening? If you are listening, then number two, what is he calling you to do? I hope and pray you don't walk out that door today and not have any idea what God's calling you to do. He wants to show you. He wants to tell you. He wants you to know. You see, the goal in life is not for God to hold a carrot out in front of your life like you would an old mule or an old donkey to get it to go. And you kind of meander through life searching and looking for what it is God's calling me to do. And then when you get to be about 65 or 70, you realize, whoa, that's what it is. No, that's not God's plan. God's plan is for you to know right now. Matter of fact, we got teenagers and college kids and young adults. You know what? God wants you to know right now. And then he wants you to spend the rest of your life living out his plan for you. But the problem is, let me tell you what some of the problem is. You see, see, I went to a Bible college. They taught if you didn't meddle a little bit, you didn't really do much preaching. So you kind of had to get in people's lives a little bit. The problem is we don't turn off our video games. We don't turn off our TVs. We don't turn off our MP3s. We can't get out of our sports activities. We can't get out of our shopping mode and be still and be quiet long enough in front of God to discern what it is that he wants us to do. Hello? God's calling. He is calling you. Are you listening? If so, then what is he calling you to do? Why do we hesitate? Whenever we sense that God may be calling us a particular direction, why do we hesitate? Well, let's look at the life of Jeremiah and we can answer that question, maybe through his life a little bit. And we can ask the question, why did Jeremiah hesitate? Why did he balk a little bit at this call that God had on him? In verse number six, he said, whoa, no, God, I can't do that. Why did Jeremiah hesitate when God was calling him? Well, number one, jot this down. I didn't have the blanks for you to fill in, but you have lines on the back of your bulletin, and you can jot these down. They're not real long. But number one, why did, why did Jeremiah hesitate when God called him? Number one is this. The task was demanding. I mean, it was a demanding task. I've already shared with you how Jeremiah's father was a priest. Jeremiah's grandfather was a priest. Jeremiah was about 20 years old and he was just, I mean, the next one to go right into the priesthood, right into his father's area of ministry. But God called him out of the priesthood and he called him to be a prophet. That was a very demanding task. You see, if I had the choice of a prophet or a priest, I'd choose a priest. Any day. 
If I was in Jeremiah's shoes, I would have wanted the priesthood as well. You may tell you why? Because it was very predictable. I mean, the priest, all they had to do was obey the commandments and obey the law of Moses and just do exactly what they had to do. Matter of fact, their, their tasks were about the same every single day. And you can go by and you can study a little bit about the role of a priest and what their job was, and you'll find out that day after day, they were simply to offer, offer up the sacrifices, they were to cleanse, or, or they, were, they were to examine the leopards, and if the leopards were unclean, they were cast them outside the city, and then they would examine those that had been outside, maybe ready to come back in to see if they were clean, and they would let them come back into the, into the city if, if they were unclean. They, they, they would reinstate the people. They, they, they had ceremonies that they would just officiate and observe. They had the sanctuary to care for and they had the law to teach. I mean, that's kind of basically it. But the prophet, on the other hand, his ministry was completely unpredictable. Matter of fact, he never really knew from day to day where he was going to go or what he was going to say because God was going to be working through him and leading him to where he was going to go and preach the message that he was going to proclaim and preach. I mean, look at some of the parallels between the priest and the prophet. Let me share these with you. The priest worked primarily to conserve the past by protecting and maintaining the sanctuary ministry. But the prophet, on the other hand, labored to change the present so that the nation would have a future. The priests, they're called, they, were, they were called to deal with the externals. In other words, just the, the ritual uncleanness and the offering of various sacrifices. The, the prophet, on the other hand, they tried to reach and change the hearts of people that would hear their message. And by the way, the message that the prophet would proclaim was oftentimes delivered to a group of people that their hearts were hard and they didn't even want to hear the message. At least the people that came before the priest, they wanted to hear his message, but the prophets, they did not want to hear. The priest didn't preach to the crowds. They just kind of dealt with the individuals. The prophets would preach to entire nations of people. Once again, many of them not wanting to hear the message. The priests belonged to a very special tribe. Therefore, they were granted authority and respect because of the tribe that they were identified with. The prophets, on the other hand, would come from a various number, number of tribes. And they would have to live their whole life proving that they had the divine call of God on their life to proclaim this message. Jeremiah knew all of this. The priests were supported from the sacrifices and the offerings that were brought into the people. The prophets had no guarantee of income whatsoever. So you can see why it's a little bit easier in that day to be a priest than it was to be a prophet. I mean, it was very demanding, this task was. You can go through and you can read a little bit about Jeremiah's ministry and, and you'll see that while he was a prophet, and this is going through the, the entire book of Jeremiah. You'll find that he was a destroyer and a builder in chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. He was a pillar and a wall in verse 17 and 18. He was a watchman in chapter number 6. He was a tester of metals. He was a physician in chapter 8. He was a sacrificial lamb. He was a long-distance runner. He was a shepherd. And he was called a troublemaker. I mean, all of these are signs of the difficult, demanding task that Jeremiah had upon him simply because he was going to answer God's call and be a prophet. So why the delay? Why the hesitation, Jeremiah? Because the task was demanding. Number two, write this down. Not only was the task demanding, but the times were very difficult. Not only was the task demanding, the times <clears throat> were very difficult. 
I've already shared with you in my introduction a little bit about the, the period that, that Jeremiah was born in. He was born actually during the reign of King Manasseh, which was an ungodly, ruthless king. And the kings before him, matter of fact, of all the kings that are mentioned there, Josiah is the good king. That's the godly king. The rest of them were ungodly. Now, Jeremiah had to proclaim this word of God from God to the people, including the kings and all the people of that era, to an ungodly, ruthless generation of people that did not want to hear the voice of God, nor did they want to be told what they were supposed to do. They did what was right in their own eyes under an ungodly king. I mean, I'm trying to tell you that the times were very difficult. There's three things, and I don't have time to unpack all of these, but there was rebellion instead of obedience. I mean, during this time frame when Jeremiah lived, there was just tremendous rebellion among all the nations or among the people. I mean, they did not follow God. They were being led by a ruthless, ungodly king. Matter of fact, you read that during this time frame that idolatry flourished in Judah. You'll also find that children were being offered up as a sacrifice to idols and being killed and destroyed in that idol worship. Ruthless time. Very evil, very difficult time. Rebellion instead of obedience. There was reformation instead of repentance. There was politics instead of principle. I don't have time to unpack all of that. I just want you to understand that the times were difficult. It's been a lot easier to be a priest and just deal with those that wanted to deal with God and carry out the, the ceremonies on a weekly, daily basis, do the little sacrifices, declare you unclean, reinstate that one that's now clean, I'll officiate this ceremony. Hum, 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 hum. You guys know what I'm talking about? Did you get that right there? No, I was raised Baptist, okay? So I don't know how all that works in the Catholic Church. I've been to two or three services my whole life. So it's pretty easy. If you come, you come. If you don't, you don't. I'm okay before God. And I'm, the, you know, I'm not saying it's how they are today. I'm saying it's how it was in that day. Okay? But on the other hand, Jeremiah was called to be a prophet where he left and went out and proclaimed and pointed out the sins of the people and cried out, repent. I mean, nobody wanted to hear that. The task was demanding. The times were difficult, which led, number three, to why the servant was doubtful in verses four down through verse number 10. You see, Jeremiah hesitated because he looked at the work before him, he looked at the wickedness around him, he saw the weakness within himself, and he said, God, I'm not real sure that I'm the man for the job. Guys, do you realize that when God calls us and when God calls you, there'll be a tremendous sense that we're just not adequate enough to do that? God, you've made a mistake. It's probably going to be somebody else. You meant to get so-and-so. God, I'm not the one. You don't understand. Look at my life. Look at my weaknesses. God, I can't do this task. Look at the wickedness around me. Look at the work you're asking me to do. Look how weak I am within myself. You see, the Apostle Paul struggled with that also. You don't have to turn there, but you may want to jot down this reference. 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 16, when Paul was pondering the responsibility of ministry, he says this, and who is sufficient for these things? Who's sufficient? Who can carry this load? Who can do this ministry? Paul was questioning his own ability and his own call, if you will. But he answered that question in chapter 3 and verse number 5. He says this, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of, our, of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Paul was struggling with being sufficient to be able to carry out his calling. But he realized that I'm not going to do this by myself. And if I do this, it's only going to be God working through me. So the point is this. Where God guides, God provides. And when God calls you, he makes no mistake. He knows exactly who you are. He knows what your abilities are. He knows what the plan he has for you is. And he simply wants you to be obedient and follow him just as Jeremiah did. Now to wrap all this up and get away a little bit from the book of Jeremiah. There's another great verse of scripture that I find encouraging. It's in Matthew's gospel chapter 10 and verse number 1. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 1. Now, just the first part of this kind of jumped off the page at me. The rest of it's kind of, you're okay, yeah, I understand that. But listen to this. It says, and when he called his 12 disciples to him. Now, this is Jesus, and this is him calling out his disciples. And he's saying, come and follow me, come and follow me, come and follow me. And I already gave you a list of those that did that. It says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, and when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now understand that these men that God called were just ordinary men that he used to do extraordinary things. Just very common men. Men, just fishermen. Just some political activists. Just a tax collector. Just common people. Just uncommon leaders. The rich, the poor, the educated, uneducated. God called them all. And they all just followed him. And they did extraordinary things. But get this. He just called them. Come and follow me. Notice what he did not do. He did not twist their arm. He didn't go up to Matthew and throw his arm up behind his back and say, you're going to cut. No. He didn't twist their arm. He just said, follow me. He didn't manipulate the situation. He didn't bribe them or draft them or force them or ask them to volunteer. He simply just said, come and follow me. And they did. Guys, listen. God's not going to beat and pull and drag you. I mean, if, if you want the blessing, follow and be obedient. If not, he's going to give it to somebody else. You see, you, you remember the scripture where Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, I just counted a privilege to be able to be used of God to help build Victory Church. I see that as a privilege, not a right. You guys understand my, my terminology there? I, I know I can't say my long eyes like you guys say, right? I get a convulsion that takes place right in there, and I can't say that. It's a privilege and not a, you say it for me. There you go. In other words... Jesus said, upon this rock, meaning himself, Christ Jesus, I will build my church 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Guys, you realize this? God can build Victory Church with or without John Cannon. I just get to choose whether I want to be a part of it or not. And if I choose to be a part of it, then I'm going to get to choose to get under the blessings of God. You see, the choice is yours. He's not going to twist your arm. He's not going to bribe you. He's not going to draft you. He's simply just going to knock at your heart's door. And he's going to put out a call. But so many people think we're just simply unfit to follow Christ. I want to tell you this. God can use anyone. And he can use you. And God has a work for you to do in this church. God has a ministry for you. God has a work for you. God has something that you can do. I hope and pray. I hope and pray you just don't come here and sit and soak. Because if you just sit on those chairs and soak in everything, let me tell you what's going to happen. Eventually, you're going to sour. If you sit and soak, you'll sour. You know why? You'll be just sitting there. You're not involved in any ministry. You're not doing anything to help the church grow. But you're sitting back pointing out all the flaws at Victory Church. Well, why, why do they do that? Or why does he do that? Or why does he do Hey, I'm just, it's the best I know how to do, and I'm following the best I can, what God is leading me to do. Get in here and help us. I'm open to suggestions. Ask our leadership team. Guys, how do you think we ought to handle this? Vouch for me, guys. That's a good place for an amen there, guys. <laughs> if you sit and soak, you'll eventually sour. And you'll find fault in everything and everybody. Hello? But you know what you need to do? You need to get involved. God, what are you calling me to do? How can I help? What area of ministry can I be involved in? What, what desire do I have in my life? What, what passion do I have? What spiritual gifts do I have? What abilities do I have? God, how can I help? How can I get involved? What can I do? You see, I believe this. If everybody is rowing the boat, we don't have time to rock the boat. The problem comes with rocking the boat or those that aren't rowing the boat. If you're rowing the boat, if you're working, if you're involved, you ain't got time to rock the boat. You may tell you why? Because Sunday's coming. You see, we're going to do this all again next week. I mean, there's going to be another Sunday school lesson to prepare for. There's going to be another set up and tear down. There's going to be another, another message to preach. There's going to be more songs to sing. I mean, Sundays, you realize Sunday comes every seven days. Do you realize that? I mean, as soon as I finish up this message, I gotta get, man, I got to preach another one. And I got to preach another one. I mean, they just keep coming. They just keep. Ministry happens every single day. And if we're all involved rowing the boat, we won't have time to rock the boat. And the point I'm just trying to make is this. God wants to use you. And he can use anybody and everybody. And I realize a lot of times we feel like we don't have the ability, that we're inadequate. And I feel like that from time to time myself. Matter of fact, I've questioned God many times. God, are you sure I'm the right one? Can I lead us through this building project? You don't know how many times I've questioned God about that. Because I feel a tremendous load and a burden, and many times I feel completely inadequate, but I'm, okay, God, let's, let's get through one more day. We'll get through one more week. We're going to follow you. This is what we're trying to do, and we just kind of just keep going. And it's amazing how God gives you the strength. And how he brings things into your life and he brings people into your, the, across your path and bring opportunities there and it brings bring someone. I mean, just, I, I think back a year and a half ago when we're praying over land. God, where do we even buy? And, and God just brings through, through this contact and that contact and this contact and that contact, God brings a man called Jack Schmidt across our path. 
And, and then we have problems. Like we can't even afford the property, really. And I called Jack. Jack, I, I, I'm short. I just, we can't afford it. How much are you short? I said about 30000 No problem. Here's a check, $30,000. Put it in your church fund. I'm like, doom. Why did I say 100 <laughs> Just kidding. Afterthought. You know. But the point I'm making is this. We all feel inadequate from time to time. You know what we need to do? Just keep following because God is going to work through us. And God is calling you. He's calling you to a particular area of service. Are you listening? And if so, what is he calling you to do? And A, a verse you need to have memorized and you need to write it down the margin of your brain is Jeremiah 29, 11. Write it down somewhere on paper if you don't have it there yet. Jeremiah 29, 11. Here it is. Let's read this together. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Guys, you realize that applies to every single one of us. Now, within the context of the message, he's talking to his, his, his people that have been carried away into captivity and how he had a plan for them. He wasn't going to leave them without a future and without hope. But that, that applies to us even today. God has a plan for you. Young people, teenagers, college kids, God has a plan for you. Young adults, God has a plan for you. Seasoned adults and veterans, God still has a plan for you. Matter of fact, when he finishes out his plan in you, he'll take you on to heaven. When he's done, he'll take you. Matter of fact, I pray often, and this is part of my personal prayer to God, God, when you're done with me, take me. I, I, don't, I don't want to just hover around and decline and become useless for the kingdom work. I don't want to be a has-been. Hello? God, when you're done, when I've reached my pinnacle and, and I've done all I can do for you, take me. It's at, if that's at 45, it's at 45. I don't care. When I'm done, take me. Because I want my life to be spin up for you. I don't want to sit by the side. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. You know, I've never enjoyed that. All through high school and through my entire life, I don't like sitting on the sidelines. I want in the game. Hello? And when it gets to the end, I, I want to be an influencer in that game. And that's the same thing in life for me. And more importantly, in spiritual life for me. I want to be used of God. Why? Because he has a plan for me, and he has a plan for you. And this week, we're studying about God's call. What's he calling you to do? I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and we prepare for a song of invitation. What's God calling you to do? For some this morning, he may be calling you to salvation. What is that? He may be saying... You know, you're a good person. But you can't get to heaven for being a good person. You can only get to heaven when you accept my son, Jesus Christ. And you ask him to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart and into your life. This morning, God may be calling you to salvation. And if that's you this morning, in just a moment as we have this invitation special... I want to ask you just to get up out of your seat and walk to the back to one of these couples and they will help you 
in the area of salvation. They'll share scripture with you, they'll pray with you, and they'll lead you to Christ. Don't leave here today if you're not 100% sure that you can make heaven your home. Don't leave here today. But maybe God not only is calling you to salvation, maybe he's calling you to rededication, recommitment. Maybe you've already accepted Christ as your Savior. But boy, you look at your life right now and you are, you just know you're out of the will of God. And there is sin or, and stuff and things that have come in between you and God. Why don't right now you repent of that and ask God to forgive you? And right now just recommit and rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe God is calling you to, to baptism. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but you've never followed through in believer's baptism. Maybe he's calling you to church membership and you feel like victory is a place where you need to come and identify with this local body and be a member and get in here and help and build and help us grow. Maybe God is calling you to a career change. Maybe God is calling you to a different area of service in your community, in your career. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is you may be struggling over, but I do know this. God has a plan for you. Will you listen to him? And will you follow? And when you do, you'll be blessed. Father, right now, I commit this time of invitation to you. And dear Lord, as we have this time of reflection and meditation on you, God, whatever the needs are in this congregation, I pray that we would deal with that today. May no one leave here today without knowing in their heart the direction that you're calling them. May no one leave here today without sensing your call on their life. May no one leave here today without surrendering to that call as Jeremiah did. May no one leave here today without being obedient. You've called us all to something. Help us to follow. In Jesus' name we pray.